John chapter 4, beginning at verse 14 tonight. Again, we're not going to get through the entire letter of 1 John. We've only got one more week to go. And I don't even know how many verses we're going to get through tonight, but we'll see. We'll see. John tonight wants to talk to us about the reward of fellowship. You know, he's been talking to us throughout this letter about the importance of fellowship, the priority of fellowship, what fellowship really is. And tonight he wants to give us some some thoughts on the reward of fellowship. And obviously John had a unique perspective as one of the disciples. And we see that beginning in verse 14. You will notice he says there, and we have seen. He's talking there about the apostles. He says, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now tonight, I want us to first focus on this word seen. It's a key word in this entire passage. It is a word that means to learn about something by looking more closely at it. And when you think about that, that's really sort of common sense, and yet maybe we don't consider that as much as we should. In other words, what John is saying is, instead of glimpsing at something, gaze at it. And think about that even in the context of our relationship with God. How much more would we know of God? How much more insight would we have of God? How much more understanding would we have of God if we didn't just sort of do the quick drive-by with God? Where we, instead of glimpsing at God every once in a while, we gazed at Him. That's part of the motivation for even sharing that verse up front about Be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes God has to, you know, we're we're so busy and running to and fro and all of that that we don't take time to stop long enough to really get a greater insight into God. And we do that by seeing. Anything that we take more time with, we understand it a little bit more. I mean, if if you and I were to stand before, say, a a painting, a work of art, and we would simply glimpse at it and then leave, we wouldn't have as greater understanding of that as if we would stay there and we would literally stare at it for a while. And that's what John is saying here. He's saying, as the disciples of Jesus Christ, we were able to really see some things because we spent every day as Christ's companion. We followed Him. And I want you to see tonight how fellowship, in a sense, equals fellowship and equals discipleship. You, you could really use those words interchangeably. I talked a lot about discipleship in my devotional, and, and it's all about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Not not someone who tries to understand God and gain more insight into God from a distance, but someone who gets really close and and up close to God and, again, learns things by seeing things more closely. You even see this with what Jesus said in Matthew 11, where He calls His followers to take His yoke upon them. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, when you yoked two animals together, you joined them with this contraption to where they would be joined, they would be companions, that they would be united to do it together. 
And so when Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us, he's simply saying, instead of trying to do life on your own, why don't you do it with me? Let me be your everyday companion. And then the very next phrase after that is, and learn from me. See, the way you and I really learn from him about how to live our lives and really learn of him is by being willing to take his yoke and put it on us and, and, and live life closely connected to him. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. That's discipleship. And that's what John is saying here. And he says, we have seen and testified to you that the Father sent his Son. Now, you and I might go, well, duh, you, you wouldn't have to be in close fellowship to know that. That's a fact. That, that's something we could... But, but what John is saying is, but we learn so much more about the Father sending the Son because of our fellowship. That it wasn't just, oh, the Father sent the Son that we began to learn about the heart of the Father through fellowship with Jesus. That we began to understand through being closely connected to Jesus just how much the Father loved the Son. So we got a new appreciation for the Father's love gift to the Son by fellowship with the Son. We began to see that it wasn't just Jesus coming and willingly laying down His life, but how much the Father gave in giving up His one and only unique Son. And we talked about that last week, that love gives its best. That's what love does. And when the Father gave, He gave His very best. If you and I truly love, we will give our best. And so He begins to, He's beginning to share with us the insight. And then He goes on to say, and and the Son is the Savior of the world. Now again, we could say, well, you know, the Bible teaches that. I, I can know that without really... But, but again, John here is trying to get us to see, but do we appreciate that he's the Savior of the world? First of all, let's talk about that of the world part, because that doesn't mean that everyone in the world is saved just because Jesus is the Savior of the world. We don't believe in universalism, that everybody's going to go to heaven. Only those who trust in Christ will get there. But what he is saying is, we got a new appreciation for who Jesus is, and we realize that if every single human being that was ever born would have turned to him in faith, he's capable enough to save them. That's how great a Savior he is. We begin to learn what a great Savior he is. And we begin to learn about what it means for him to be the Savior. And and the word Savior means more than Savior. It means deliverer and preserver. And so when John says, we have seen and testified to you that, that the Father sent the Son and the Son is the Savior of the world, he's saying, I began to get an appreciation for Jesus and how he delivers me. Not just how he delivered me when I turned to him as my Savior. Because that's usually what we think of when we think of Jesus in the context of our Savior. But let's not forget that he not only saves us from the penalty of sin the moment we receive him as our Savior, but He continues to save us and deliver us from the power of sin and from the forces of darkness and all of that throughout our earthly life. He is always our deliverer. He delivers us every day whether we realize it or not. And He preserves us every day whether we realize it or not and are conscious of it or not. So what John again is saying is, when you and I take time to look more closely, when we learn things and get insight by, by looking closer and by getting closer, 
I began to get a new appreciation for my Savior. I began to realize more and more how He delivers me and how He preserves me and how He saves me. Not just at the moment of my salvation, but every day that I live. And then I love what John says too. In verse 14 when he says, We have seen and so we testify. John is saying that fellowship with God will build our testimony. It will allow us to give more and more evidence to the working and ways of God in our own life, which is powerful. Don't discount your personal testimony. And realize again that the word testimony here in the original language means to give evidence. That's what it means. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, should be able to give evidence of God in our life, of the reality of God in our life, of the activity of God in our life, of what God is doing in our life. In fact, going back to the series that we're doing in 2 Thessalonians, let me point out that Paul says to the Thessalonians, that they believed because of our testimony. Now, he's not taking credit for their salvation, but he is saying God used our story. God used our personal story, the evidence that we gave in Thessalonica to bring about the salvation of the Thessalonians. And so, here in verse 14 of chapter 4, let's not even bypass the word testify. Let's remember how important it is to testify as the followers of Jesus Christ. To have a personal testimony. To build and grow our testimony. And how do we do that? Through fellowship. The more you and I fellowship with God, the closer we get to God, the more we learn by taking time to look more closely at something, the more evidence we will get. Think of this in the context of the story of the resurrection. Remember what John's account was back in the Gospel of John? He says, Peter and I were running to the tomb. And when we got to the tomb, I stopped. And Peter, he says, actually went into the tomb, and here's his words, and looked more closely. And Peter was able to get some insight into what happened there because he actually saw the burial clothes that were You know, all that. Isn't it interesting, like when when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus came out, still had his grave clothes all draped over him. When Jesus rose from the dead, he folded up his grave clothes very neatly and put them there and walked out on his own without anything dragging on him. But Peter was able to get even greater insight into what went on in the tomb, how things looked and all that, and how things were left by going into the tomb. John just stayed outside and tried to look in, but obviously there was a limit to what John could perceive from that distance. It was only because Peter walked past him and went into the tomb and had a closer look that Peter had greater insight. And that's what John is saying. John realized that even but his personal experience. You know what, Peter Peter had more insight into that than I did because he looked closer. And I want you to know, I've learned the value of looking closer at things. Of getting closer to God. 
of spending time in fellowship, of being a follower of Christ, not at a distance, but up close. So that's what John talks about in verse 14. And because of that, then he continues with the reward of fellowship. If part of the reward is that we build our testimony that we get more, more insight from verse 14, that we really have a greater appreciation for God and what He's done, then notice what He says in verse 15. If anyone, because again, Jesus is the Savior of the world, so that means that anyone who places their faith in Christ, you know, it, it's open to anyone. Which, by the way, doesn't these verses refute that Jesus only died for a certain amount of people or for the elect? not what the Bible teaches. My Bible tells me He's the Savior of the world. God so loved the world. There was, wasn't a few people that God just chose to save. And then He goes on to say, if anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God resides in Him and He in God. Now again, remember, John in the context here, his letter is not about relationship. It's about fellowship. So the word resides here means more than just God dwells in us. Because again, that just speaks about salvation and relationship. What John is saying here is, no, no, that, that there again is this closeness, if you will, this connection that God has with us when we are willing to confess. Because confession goes beyond belief, just like faith does too. You know, the Bible says that the demons believe in God. They believe in Jesus and tremble. But that doesn't mean they have a relationship or even fellowship with God at all. And so confession means to say the same thing as God or to agree with God. That's what it means to confess. That's why John says in 1 John 1, 9, if we will confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we just agree, yep, you're right, God, that's sin. If God calls it sin, then we call it sin. It's the whole idea of aligning ourselves with what God says and what His Word says. And what John is saying is, you and I have to learn to agree with God and align ourselves with God and His Word. That's how we stay in fellowship. That's how we remain in fellowship and close connection. I can't disagree with God and in a sense win. And even maintain fellowship to a point. Now you and I can have relationships with each other and as human beings we can agree to disagree and still remain in fellowship. Because we're fallible. But you and I can't disagree with God and say, God, you're wrong. I know more than you, God, and you're not right, I'm right. I know more than you. That's going to break that fellowship real quick. Because then that puts us in place of God. When you and I aren't willing to see things the way God sees them. That's confession. And confession even goes beyond that. Confession is when we obediently entrust ourselves to the one whose status is such as it is here, the Son of God. Not a God, the Son of God, you see. John is saying, when we are willing to agree with who, God, who Jesus is, 
When we come to a biblical understanding and we agree with God's revelation of who Jesus is, then again, God resides, verse 15, in us. It means that that God not just dwells there, but that His presence is very operative in in us. He he is influencing us. He is energizing us. He is is activating us. There's, again, this divine energy coming from this. It's not just this cold, you know, relationship. There's something going on here. That's what resides means. Again, so much more than just he lives or dwells. So then John goes on. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has in us. Now again, context. How did we come to know and believe about the love of God for us and in us? Well, notice what John is saying here. It came through fellowship. It came through fellowship with God. It didn't come through circumstances. It didn't come through feelings. It came through fellowship. And this is where we as Christians sometimes even struggle with God and His love for us. Because we base our relationship with God, or His relationship with us, and even His love for us, let's take the first one, on our circumstances. So when our circumstances don't go right, or they're not going right, where do we go? Well, if we're not really maintaining close connection with God, we begin to question. Does God really know what He's doing? Does God really have my best interest at heart? Does God really love me? Because if He loved me, would He allow this or these things to happen to me? See, so we begin to base His love in us and His love for us on circumstances. And John's saying, no, no. We have come to know. We become acquainted by experience and then believe. We have become persuaded that God truly loves us through our fellowship with Him. Not through circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances of life are going to show us something else. But again, we don't walk by circumstances. We walk by faith. Which leads to the next one. That's why we don't base God's love for me on feelings. I don't feel like God's loving me today. Or I don't feel loved today. That's never biblical. John says, you want to come to know how much God loves you, you want to believe it, you want to be so persuaded that you know, like Paul in Romans 8, 35 through 39, that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God, then John says, just continue to fellowship with God every day. Continue to follow Him. Continue to stay in close connection with God. And through living closely with God in His presence every day, the realization of God's love will become clear and clear and clear. So that when circumstances come into my life that might seem as if God doesn't love me, I've come to know and believe through my fellowship that that's not true. And I certainly don't base my relationship or fellowship with God or how God feels about me or His love for me on my feelings. 
I base it on the faith that I get through the fellowship that I have with God. This is huge. And see, this is why John is talking here in this passage about the reward of fellowship. This is the kind of greater insight you and I can have when we're willing to fellowship with God and spend more time with Him. And I love this phrase, the love that God has in us. Because keep your finger there in 1 John and go back with me again to a verse that I've pointed out before, but I I think it's important to point out again, Romans chapter 5 and verse 4. Romans chapter 5 and verse 4. Or I'm sorry, verse 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So again, what Paul is saying is, I never need to ask God for more love. No, the Bible says, when I became a Christian... And God gave me His indwelling Holy Spirit. I have all the love that God has for me in me already through the Holy Spirit. He is my continual witness. He's my affirmation. He's my confirmation. He's my everyday assurance that God is crazy about me and loves me. And that love God has planted in me through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The way you and I come to appreciate that and realize that and acknowledge that more is through fellowship, which is what John is saying back in 1 John chapter 4. So let's move on. I want to get to just a couple more verses tonight. Then he says, oh, and by the way, he continues in verse 16, God is love. Well, again, in the context, what he's reminding us of is When you and I fellowship with God, we begin to realize that God really is love. That's His nature. That's that's who He is. Now again, it's not love equals God anymore, as I said last week, than just because grass is green doesn't mean green equals grass. But what it does mean is that God is the one who defines love because it is one of His essential characteristics as God. He is love. And the more you and I fellowship with God, the more we realize that. He's love. Therefore, he says, the one who resides in love, the one who continues and perseveres practicing love, will then reside in God too. We will hold fast to God. We will stay close to God. Because if God is love, and you and I live our lives in love, we're practicing agape God-like love, then we'll be close to God simply because of that practice of love. And then he goes on to say, and God resides in him. Again, as James said, James 4.8, draw near to God, he will draw near to us. There will be this closeness, this, this divine working inside of us that maybe we can't even explain or put our finger on, but we know it's there. We know God is in us and working in us and working through us through this fellowship that's taking place. That it's more than God just lives in there. And I know He lives in there somewhere in my inner being, but that 
I'm truly sensing him. I'm, 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 I'm sensing his leading and his guiding and, and, and I, I'm being assured of his love for me. That's what John says are the benefits of fellowship. So then, John goes on to say in verse 17, by this, again in the context, by, by this what? By this fellowship, by this ongoing fellowship with God, love is perfected. Now again, this word perfected doesn't mean perfect. This word means to bring something to completion or maturity. So John is saying this, the more you and I fellowship with God, the more our love life will mature, the more it will grow the more we will learn to love like God because God is love. So obviously, the more time I spend with God and I spend in His presence, the more I'm going to hopefully walk away from there a more loving person and begin to understand what love is all about by my fellowship with God. Now again, we know that biblical principle to be true even with other human beings. Remember the principle in the Bible? If you walk with fools, you'll become foolish in a sense. If you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. In other words, you and I will be shaped by the kind of company that we keep. So John is simply saying, take that a step further with our fellowship with God. If we're keeping company with God at all times, and God is love, aren't we going to leave that company of God being a loving person? How can we walk away from fellowship with God being hateful? And wanting to hurt people after spending time in God's presence. It's only when you and I are in God's presence continually that we learn to let love mature and grow. And that's the thing. It's not enough for us to just know, oh, I have this love. Remember, God wants us to express that love to each other. He's talked to us about how important it is that we love our fellow Christians. Well, how do we... Take that a step further by beginning to understand truly the love of God by letting it be perfected with us. So keep your finger there. Go back now to the book of Ephesians for just a moment. We'll pick it up next week to chapter 3. Notice the prayer of Paul beginning in verse 14 where Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And what he's specifically praying for here in this passage of Scripture, or in this prayer, is that the Ephesians would come to a greater understanding of God's love. So again, it's not something that, that we automatically get as Christians. It's not something that we can sit back passively and go, I'm going to have a greater insight and understanding of God's love for me, and how to love others and all that, simply by sitting on my bum and not doing anything. No! As I fellowship with God, as I get closer to God, as I follow Him, as I become His true disciple, then I begin to understand and have greater insight into God's love for me and how to love others. Notice the prayer of Paul. Ephesians 3.14 For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that according to the wealth of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner person, that Christ may dwell, reside in your hearts through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know, 
to have greater insight, to see things a little bit more closely, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That was a great prayer that Paul prayed. I want you Ephesians to begin to grasp more clearly the love of God. Because when you do, you'll never be the same. Because as we said last week, God's love changes us. God's love transforms us. When you and I truly receive the love of God, we are never the same. And that comes through fellowship. So back to 1 John as we close out tonight. I'll pick it up here next week, but I just want to get into it a little bit tonight. Notice the next reward of fellowship. John says, because we fellowship with God and we allow our love to mature and grow, this growth then in love, understanding God's love, especially for me, will result in assurance and fearless confidence in the day of the judgment seat of Christ for us as Christians. Which is what he says in verse 17. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. In the day where we stand before Christ and we give an account of our Christian life. Yes, we will have to give an account. Yes, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, we will be evaluated by how we have lived our life and we will be rewarded by God. But as John says here, If you and I spend time in God's presence and we're fellowshipping with Him, getting to know how much He loves us, then that's not going to be something that we're apprehensive about. The judgment seat of Christ isn't going to be something that we're afraid of or that we dread, as he goes on to say. It's going to be something that we actually look forward to because we're going to stand there knowing how much we are loved. But again... That insight, that that understanding, if you will, doesn't come just by having a relationship with God. Because many Christians don't have confidence when they start thinking about the day of judgment. The confidence comes in the context by our fellowship, not simply by our relationship. And then I'll end with this phrase, and we'll pick it up here next week. Because just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. I want you to, I want to leave you with that phrase because that's a very interesting phrase. I want you to give that some thought before next week. What does that mean? That just as Jesus is, So are we in this world. I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to answer that next week. I'm going to tell you what I think it means. But I want you to ponder that next week. Or in this next week. Before we come back. And we'll pick it up there then. And move on through the rest of the passage. I hope tonight, if nothing else. That you have seen john's heart that john was one who left everything to follow jesus christ and he is trying to get us to see what the reward of that kind of fellowship is that the closer we get to god the more benefit we get that we get greater insight and understanding and and confidence and all of these things that would not come to us 
if we were trying to somehow hold God out at arm's length and follow Him at a distance. It's only when we're willing to come into His presence and fellowship with Him and be close to Him, and as Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, that we really get that closer look that brings greater understanding into our lives. And all these other benefits as well. So I hope tonight, just like with me, when I left this passage, I was inspired and motivated to just make fellowship with God a real priority in my life. Every day. Every day. And to not just glimpse at God, but to gaze at Him. To, to take time to be in His presence. To be still. And know that He is God. Let's pray. Father God, thank You so much for how, God, You use men and women just like us to build and grow a testimony to where we can give evidence of who You are and what You're all about and how You work and how You operate in our lives. And God, I pray tonight that we would all be inspired to just spend more time with You, fellowshipping with You, getting closer following You, being Your disciple, so that, God, we can even continue to build our testimony. That You can use our lives to impact and influence others. Not just because we have a relationship with You, God. Not just because we can tell somebody from the Scriptures how they can be saved. But that we can even bring it even more personal of what that really means when God inhabits a human being and dwells within us. God, thank You for Your Word. God, may again You just continue to use it in our lives to grow us and mature us. And God, may again we truly 